presents the Pick 6 Podcast, featuring CBS NFL writers Pete Prisco and Will Brinson, NFL insider Jason Lockenfora, and host Nick Costos. You want NFL talk? We've got NFL talk. From training camp to the Super Bowl and through the NFL draft, our fearsome foursome has you covered. This is the Pick 6 Podcast. Pick 6 Podcast on a Friday. Will Brinson here holding down the fort solo. And joining me on the other line, friend of the program, Longtime colleague, good friend of my good friend of mine, John Breach. John, what's up, buddy? Brinson, for being a good friend of yours, I'm surprised that we only talk like once every eight months. That is true. That is the weird thing about working on the internet. Um, I would say, I, w- I think you're a good enough friend where I would, if I was like really desperate, I would call you and ask you to rate this podcast five stars and to review it, which anyone who's listening can do. Um, Nick Costas, who usually hosts with me, is en route to SummerSlam. Not a joke. SummerSlam in New York, a wrestling event. He also hosts the In This Corner podcast, a delightful wrestling um, show with he and Brian Campbell and Adam Silverstein that you can get on iTunes if you're into that sort of thing. I loved wrestling as a kid, John, but I'm not really into wrestling now. I loved wrestling. I could sit here and talk about The Undertaker, yes. Hulk Hogan, Legion of Doom. We can, we can join the wrestling podcast. See if you can get us on that. Do you do you I don't recall like the specific SummerSlams or like the WrestleManias where certain things happen, but that may be a byproduct of just age and and or beer. Um, but I do you know, I do remember like as a kid, like the ultimate warrior. I would say that my top three favorite wrestlers were pre WWE Hulk Hogan, number one, number two, ultimate warrior. And then number three, either Macho Man Randy Savage or Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man. Here's how much I love wrestling. When, in 1993, the only thing I asked for for Christmas was tickets to WrestleMania. Of course, Santa Claus came through. I went to WrestleMania 8, Ultimate Warrior, part of the main event. He returned after like a two-year layoff. Wow. Uh, it was just nuts. I still still like my top 25 favorite memory of my is youth. okay so wait what year was that that was 93 i think it was 93 it's a little hazy we're old now yeah i don't remember anything from like 99 on honestly until like last until last night i you know someone can google it It was a double main event it was rick flair versus macho man and sid justice versus hulk hogan that's freaking great uh, rick flair by the way in the hospital thoughts and prayers with the nature boy who I'm probably doing myself a disservice by leaving him out of my top five, but, you know, whatever. Uh, to football, because this is a football podcast. Again, seriously, you can rate and review on iTunes, five stars. Subscribe if you like what you hear. And uh, we have Stitcher and Google Play stuff, I'm, I'm no doubt, I'm sure. Um, I'm not – we'll figure out the information on how to get you that. In the meantime, another one of my favorite action heroes of yesteryear, Jay Cutler. He's back playing football. And he played for the Miami Dolphins, three of six, 24 yards. And as you wrote, if he's rusty, he sure didn't show it. What did you think about the cut man, Cuddy, against the uh, Ravens on uh, on Thursday night? I mean, Jay Cutler just made the argument for taking four months off every offseason, doing <laughs> nothing except getting drunk and then showing up to training camp halfway through. And you're still looking awesome. I mean, shouldn't every quarterback do that now? 
Yeah, I mean that's sort of what we call the the breach plan or the Brinson plan. Like that's that's what I mean. Like I mean that is sort of like I shouldn't insult us that way, but that is sort of like the blogger plan, right? Like, hey, cool. It's uh it's May fifteenth, so I'm going to leave now, and I will see you in July, and I'm going to smell like some combination of tequila and bourbon. Don't don't judge, but that's just how it's going to work. I mean, and that's true. People think we might be kidding, but it's true. And the thing about Cutler is you had his wife, Kristen Cavallari, just sending out Instagram pictures. He's Jay's on the beach drinking rosé. Jay's on the beach naked. Jay's on the beach pounding a beer. It's just like it was the summer of Jay Cutler getting drunk. And and it's working out for him because now Jay Cutler looks like he's sharp. How – see, I'm still a little bearish on the Dolphins, though. Like, even if, even if Jay Cutler is – because I, I think Jay Cutler is going to be as good as Ryan Tannehill would have been. Like Ryan Tannehill probably has a higher ceiling. I would say Jay Cutler has a higher floor, but it's pretty. It's sort of it's close to a Venn diagram in terms of what to expect from those guys. And so I don't I don't really I don't think the Dolphins are going to be great this year. I do think they're the second best team in the AFC East, though. Uh, what percent chance do you give the Dolphins of actually being a playoff team again this year? I mean, if you think they're just as good with Tannehill and they went 10 and 6 with Tannehill last year, why can't they do 10 and 6 this year? Are you a Cutler hater, Brinson? No, I'm I'm a Cutler lover, Um, which sounds weird. But (laughs) I've sort of come around to the, like, Jay Cutler is this sort of grumpy southern frat guy with secretly great hair i mean this is what what what's not to love why wouldn't i love this guy he's incredible um i think the problem is that when you look at the schedule it's a lot tougher right i mean down the stretch last year they had i think they played like one out of you know two two teams in their 10 game stretch went to the playoffs um of that or that or what did they rip off like a seven or eight game stretch whatever it was now they get the jets twice of course they're going to play the same Ravens again. But down the stretch, so they play the Ravens on Thursday, October 26th, and then they close out with the Raiders at home, at the Panthers, at the Patriots, versus the Broncos, versus the Patriots, at the Bills. They're not going to win out in that schedule, and I think they have to get they have to come out early and play well. That's why it's so critical to get Jay Cutler in here early and have him looking sharp. I think he'll be fine. I just don't know, A, if he's going to be healthy, or B, if he's enough to take the top off for this Dolphins team. I, I think the offense will be pretty good, though. Yeah, and, dude, you just mentioned that killer stretch. You look at that. They come out of Thanksgiving – Patriots, Broncos, Patriots. I mean, even yeah. if Jay, Jay Cutler slinging the ball, I don't see them doing any better than one and two there, and that's the kind of stretch that can kill a season. Yeah, no, it is. Um, what did you think about the Ravens? Because no Joe Flacco, obviously. Um, this is. I feel like the Ravens are a, are a dark horse candidate for the number one overall pick. Is that crazy? I, oh, yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. It's not crazy because if you sit and watch them – I look at Ryan Mallett and Ryan Mallett is how I thought Jay Cutler was going to look like. That's how (laughs) bad Ryan Mallett looked last night. The guy just, I don't know how he still has a quarterback job in the NFL. You know, the Texans dumped him because he's oversleeping practices and not setting his alarm. And and so he just didn't look good. And you have to think like Joe Flacco is a back injury. Have you ever had a back injury? Back injuries are horrible. And you you know, what's weird about back injuries. They don't magically go away overnight. Yeah, exactly. And so it's like the Ravens are magically assuming it is going to go away overnight. And so they think there's a good chance Ryan Mallett's going to play a couple games this year if uh, Flacco's back injury acts up. And if if Mallett plays at all, that's the Ravens are throwing the season away. And like you just said, number one pick, boom, 
Yeah, it's weird, too. There's a lot of, like, and I, we talk about, I'm sure you listen to this podcast, so you know that we talk about this all the time. But um, we talk about, like, I've, I've, I will not stop harping on this Andrew Luck thing with the Colts. Like, I think he's going to miss more than just maybe a week, as they've indicated. I think he's going to end up missing four weeks or something like that. I think the Colts are a sleeper to get the number one pick. You know, we assume the Jets are going to end up with the top pick overall. But to me, there are teams like the Ravens. I mean, like Brashad Perryman's got a busted hamstring, and Joe Flacco's got a back injury. You know, they, they already lost um, Kenneth Dixon. You know, they, they're not bringing back Steve Smith. I mean, it's just it's, it could be like Ryan Mallett airballing or airmailing passes to Mike Wallace, um, and and like Danny Woodhead catching balls out of the backfield from Ryan Mallett. If that's their season, they're going to be terrible. If it's Scott Tolzien and no Ryan Kelly and no starting safeties, the Colts could be terrible. There's a lot of teams that could could backdoor a top five pick, and I, I feel like the Ravens are are one of those teams. Um, it's just it just feels like they've had a it's just bad luck going their way. It, and Nick always points out there's a good chance Jim Harbaugh or John Harbaugh, excuse me, is on the hot seat or maybe even fired. Well, Brinson, let me just say real quick that you have been the Miss Cleo of the Andrew Luck situation. Like you're just (laughs) you read the tea leaves. You've been doing this all off season, how they've just been butchering it. And the thing is, the number one thing you don't ever want to hear from a team is, hey, our quarterback's not going to play at all during the preseason. Even Tom Brady plays during the preseason. So if your quarterback is playing zero snaps during the preseason, to me, that's a giant red flag that maybe he's not going to play in week one. So if I'm a Colts or Ravens fan, I'm a little worried that maybe Andrew Luck, and like you just said, Andrew Luck could miss a couple games just based on how this whole thing has uh, played out over the past year. And with Flacco, you know, who knows? I wouldn't be surprised if he misses one or two games. Would you rather have a bad back Flacco or a perfectly healthy Blake Bortles? Because I think the answer is like maybe Joe Flacco missing seven vertebrae. I would rather have a bad back broken ribs and possibly <laughs> a torn ACL in my left knee rather than uh, Bortles. Yeah. So Bortles, and we saw this in the hard knocks trailer, but, and you pointed this out in the recap, um, Alan Robinson, um, well, this is in practice. Sorry. This yeah, but it's in practice. Effing keep that S in bounds, bro. Robinson said after Bortles airmailed one and on Thursday night, he didn't look much better. Did he? Yeah, that's and that's the crazy thing that ha- to see it happen in practice and see Allen Robinson get so mad about it, and then the exact same thing happens in the game when you have Robinson wide open by like five yards downfield, and Bortles just looks like he's playing quarterback for the first time in high school with these throws. It's just it's embarrassing. I don't know how long or how you can justify keeping him as your starting quarterback. Yeah, but the well, the pro- the way you justify it is. Dave Caldwell and Doug Marone are desperate for their jobs, and the backup is Chad Henney. Like, wh- wh- this is the team, and they won't do it. And I said this; I've said this before. Like, I don't think that this team would sign Colin Kaepernick because of Tom Coughlin. And I'm not trying to like say Tom Coughlin is conser- is like politically against Colin Kaepernick. I just think Tom Coughlin is like like my grandfather, who was actually a big Jaguars fan and a huge fan of Tom Coughlin. And it was a veteran of a would not have been and was just you know an old you know old white dude right would not have been like on board with Colin Kaepernick being on his team not for any any sort of like racial stuff because he was my grandfather wasn't like that he was a really you know open guy and a, a really good human but I think he's such a like a staunch military guy 
that he would be vehemently opposed to Colin Kaepernick. And I feel like the same thing applies to Tom Coughlin, which means that this team is left on the outside looking in, wondering what could this season have been if we'd gotten anything from our quarterback play. And and the season hasn't even started. It's insane. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, it's funny you say that about that the older guy, because you look at the teams that maybe needed Colin Kaepernick, like the Broncos, I don't know, the Jets, who have an has an owner who was appointed as an ambassador. Yeah, like to, that, that's just straight up political. Like there's Woody Johnson had Mike Pence and his like the vice president of the United States who works directly with the president of the United States, who was in a direct war with Colin Kaepernick of words during last season. There's no chance Woody Johnson will sign Colin Kaepernick. And right. And with Coughlin, I don't think it's political necessarily. I think it's just a flat out. I don't want to sign a guy who's protesting the national anthem. It doesn't matter what the reasons are. Just he doesn't you wouldn't want that. Some teams are afraid to deal with the blowback that comes with that. And, and, you know, that's why Ravens owner was asking fans and sponsors how they would react, because teams are just afraid of what's going to happen if they sign them. Um, I thought one of the cool moments, though, was of Thursday's preseason action was Chris Long of the Eagles. And this is sort of moving away from the Jaguars. We'll get back to the Bucks in a second. But Chris Long took a stand with Malcolm Jenkins. Chris Long is, a, of course, a um, Charlottesville native. Went to Charlotte, went to high school in Charlottesville, I believe. Went to UVA. You know, this is a guy who understands that community and is a white player in the NFL. Michael Bennett earlier this week had come out and said, hey, you know, we need a white guy to get up and take a stand. And there you are, Malcolm Jenkins, uh, fist up during the anthem, and you see Chris Long put his arm around him. I thought it was one of the coolest things that we've seen. And from a smart, a smart dude who gets it in terms of, um, you know, in terms of, you know, his approach to, to the game and his approach to the media and, and general his approach to humanity. And mm-hmm. it, it was really refreshing to see that. And it's, it's nice to know that, like, not everybody's a jerk. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you can tell there's guys out there that appreciate that. As Bennett said, they just wanted a white player to show that someone understands the cause. And Jenkins sounded pretty appreciative of what Chris Long did. And so just, you know, the next step is maybe a white player putting his fist up like Jenkins was doing. But this is obviously, I think, a, a big bridge builder. And obviously, like you said, Chris Long in Charlottesville, he's been going through. He doesn't he. He's he understands the cause more, I think, uh, because of what's happening and what happened in Charlottesville. Yeah, I mean, it's close to his heart. I mean, for sure. Like if something was happening in Raleigh, it would be, you know, it would be obviously easier for, you know, for for me to sort of understand the 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 nuances of it. And, and you know, Chris Long said afterwards, I'm here to show support as a white athlete. Awesome stuff. Chris Long. Good dude. And uh, by the way, my morning jacket fan. That's a. Uh, and- What's, by the way, what's the biggest thing that's ever happened in Raleigh? You guys have like crawfish boils there? How's that? <laughs> what kind of events um, do you have there? Yeah, Raleigh has like two outdoor, you know, like outdoor malls, which are the, <laughs> you know, about as yuppie as you can get. And we have two of them, like one downtown and then like one up near my house. Um, yeah, I mean, I would say that uh, we have seen, there was actually a, an incident with a, um, a shooting with a police officer and a and a and a and a guy, but um, the guy in question had like a long criminal you know, track record, and so nothing came of it, which was um, kind of nice that it didn't get blown into something that it wasn't. And um, D- uh, Durham had a Confederate statue pulled down the other day, so that's right next door, and they yanked down a Confederate statue in front of the uh, courthouse. Maybe could have done it a little um, 
less vandalizingly, but I'm down for ripping down Confederate statues. We don't really need to be celebrating those dudes. Now, when those get taken down, does someone take them home, or do they just, like, haul them off to the trash? Somebody needs to do a follow-up story on where those statues go once they're torn down. That's actually a great question because, I mean, from what I saw of the video, people were, like, kind of spitting on it and, like, you know, giving it the finger and, like, jumping on it and stuff like that. But surely the people who were protesting it and pulling the statue down didn't carry the statue home, right? I mean, somebody had to, you know, do you, do you lift the statue back up when you get to work the next day? Like, is this a maintenance guy who has to come in and do it? I agree. It, it, it would be fascinating to know, like, is there a statue guy? It's like, all right, call Jim. He's in statues. Just get get Jim from statues down here. We have a Confederate statue down again. Um, it would be it would be a good follow up. I like this breach. You might be onto something. We'll, we'll look into that. I live in Nashville. It should be pretty easy in a southern city to find out where those Confederate statues go. Yeah, um, you are in it. So you moved. I'm just curious. What is that? I mean, because this podcast, we can literally do anything we want. Like we don't, you know, we can talk about wrestling. We can talk about stat, like you know, statue department stuff like that. How do you? How are you faring in Nashville? And, and you're by by the way, John. For for the listeners who don't know, John, I don't even know if you tweet this out, but John engaged, going to get married, um, going to live in Nashville now that you're married. Once you get married, but how do you think Nashville compares to San Diego and Oakland? Your previous two stops, and are people worried that the Titans will be gone within a year? I'll be honest. I feel bad jinxing these teams. I'm in Oakland. Then the Raiders say they're going to move. I'm in San Diego. Then they moved to Los Angeles. And now the Titans ownership is in flux. Literally, <laughs> That's right. They, like within, within a month of you getting there, the Titans are for sale. It was incredible. And, and, and the Titans are playing it down. But it's 33% of the team, Brinson. I mean, like if we could get a little finance team together and, and, and buy that chunk, boom. We're 33% owners in the Titans. And they might say, hey, you don't have a voting interest. But I think... You know, you have a lot of say in what goes on if you have owned 33% of an NFL team. If you own 33% of an NFL team, would you try to move it out of Tennessee or would you keep it? You would, See, like, I would – if I owned – all right, let me, let me rephrase that. If you owned 51% of an NFL team, what would be your first move? Because I, if I owned 51% of the Panthers, I would move them to Raleigh. Just but, stick it to Charlotte. Stick it to Charlotte. Take it, Charlotte. Well, if we're doing that, I would take the Titans and move them to Cincinnati, and they'd have two teams there. Oh, and that then, way, would you, then would you move to Cincinnati? I mean, at this point, you're a you're a multimillionaire because you own 51% of an NFL team. Like, you can get whatever you want. Would you go and buy a big house in Cincinnati? Oh, obviously. And I would get season tickets to the Bengals and Titans. Would you Would you keep working as a like a writer? Like, would you buy the Cincinnati Inquirer? And just hire your buddies and, and be like the, 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 the publisher and demand, like have meetings, like like pedantic meetings on Saturday mornings in hotel lobbies where you force people to sit there for like three hours at a time. Oh, I, I mean, definitely. That's <laughs> a um, done deal. You know, what's funny is I've actually had this conversation about if I just came into a you know, hundred million dollars, I'm not sure I would quit my job. I get to podcast with you. We get to talk about Jay Cutler drinking with his wife, you know, over the summer and and it's fun, so I'm not sure I would quit. I wouldn't quit my job either. I would probably be a lot less enjoyable to work with. Like, somebody would be like, hey, can you take this Saturday shift? No, I don't think so. You know I'm rich as hell, right? Like, I'm just going to quit if you make me work days I don't want to work. I'll see you on Sunday. I'll file some features throughout the week. Um, speaking of the Titans, though, they are playing on Saturday, and I am curious. Uh, you'll, be, you'll be working that game specifically. You and I are working on Saturday. Like we're teaming up to take care of Saturday, um, you know, you love the Panthers and the Titans. Are you wait? Are you going to that game? 
I am not, but I should. You should go to that game. It's like the first day game of the year. Yeah, and it's in it's in Nashville. Like, how far away are you from the stadium? I'm about 15 miles from the stadium, so it's about uh, 15 to 30 minutes, depending on parking and all that. Yeah, and that's traffic. kind of a pain. And then you can't. If you want to go, I will totally work more of the day so you can go. And then I, I won't change the night shift. If it was a week three preseason game, I think I would be more inclined. But you know, Cam Newton might not even be on the field because of his shoulder thing, which is another one of the Andrew Luck, Joe Flacco situation. And yeah. it's a little. A little shaky there. Uh, and, and, you know, if the Titans' first team only plays one or two series, I don't, I'm not sure it's worth it to go and watch first team play for one quarter and then do, bolt. Do you think Who do you think will have more rushing yards this year, DeMarco Murray or Derrick Henry? Man, that's a great question. I, I think Derrick Henry needs to get more carries, but I think if DeMarco Murray stays healthy, he's going to have a big year. Yeah, that's probably right. I, th- I, like, I, I bought a bunch of Derrick Henry shares in fantasy last year, and I'm going to reinvest this season because I think – that at some point he's going to be the guy. And DeMarco seems to have these on-off years sort of going, but I don't, I don't know that I'm necessarily um, buying it. This is an interesting game for me because, not only because I, you know, I'm, I, I, am, I am closer to the Panthers, so I, you know, I follow the Panthers a little more closely like you do with the Bengals. But I am very curious to see, because the Panthers' defensive line, Kwan Short, Starla Tatule, Julius Peppers, those guys looked awesome. In, in the Panthers' first game against the Texans, where the Texans are missing Dwayne Brown and aren't really good on the offensive line in general. I want to see how the Titans' offensive line looks against the Panthers' defensive line because I think that'll be a pretty good test in those first couple of series to see how those teams look. Um, and elsewhere in news, Ronald Darby picked off his old teammates. Darby looked good. Was this a, did the, should the Bills regret trading Ronald Darby already? I think they should. You know, it's funny because we always talk about the Jets tanking on the season. I don't think the Bills are necessarily tanking. But, look, you let Gilmore go. You, you traded Darby. Uh, you know, the, they don't have a lot of talent right now. And Tyrod Taylor has looked like junk the last two weeks. So, uh, yeah, I was happy for Darby, though. You get traded, and then a few days later you're, you're picking off your old teammates. That's got to be exciting. Uh, so it's cool to see him have a big game. But, man, the Bills, I I was high on them about three months ago, but now I am not feeling it. Yeah, I'm with you. I think the the concern is that they decided that Sammy Watkins – look, and I, I get that you don't like what was going on with the old regime, and I think that there's been a bunch of patchwork ways that the Bills have put things together with, you know, Rex Ryan doing things. That he, he, at one point they were – getting players when he agreed with Doug Whaley and then another point he doesn't agree with Doug Whaley they had Doug Marone guys in there the defense the defense doesn't have any real semblance of of continuity and neither does the offense frankly they don't really know what they're going to do with Tyrod Taylor they kind of like him LaShawn McCoy's good but he's getting a little bit older and you you know you can only lean on the running back so much Zay Jones I thought looked really good I saw you know he this guy an, EC, an ECU kid who's going to be ready to play out of the gates, um, but he can't carry that off. Anquan Bolden and Zay Jones are going to carry the Bills' offense. I, I feel like the Bills are a backdoor team to, to another one of those teams that you know considered a middle of the pack might make a playoff run. They could end up with a number one pick. Yeah, definitely. And, and you can even throw Jordan Matthews in there in that receiving core because they added him, but now he's injured. So yeah, it's it, and Tyrod Taylor isn't a great quarterback. And so if you have what 36 year old Anquan Bolden, a rookie and Zay Jones and injured Jordan Matthews, that doesn't seem like a very good 
receiving core. No, it, it really doesn't. Uh, the de- the Eagles defense, though, I will say, when you look at this depth chart and you start to go down the like the defensive line, they're, they're like seven guys deep. Derek Barnett looks like he could be an impact guy out of the gate as a rookie. Um, you know, we mentioned Chris Long, uh, who, who looked, was impactful for the Patriots last year. Um, then you have you know Fletcher Cox, stud. I mean, this is a team that I think now that they added Darby on the back end, if he could be a legitimate number one corner, this team has a chance to have one of the five best defenses in the league. And because of that, I actually like my Madden Sim that had them winning the East. I think uh, I think I could see the Eagles winning the East. Is that insane? Hey, I, not at all. You know, we turned our picks in, I think, last week. Did you or pick a Eagles too? I, hey, I've got the Eagles in the playoffs. They're my oh. dark horse team for the year. You know that uh, last year, John, or two years ago, John, we both had the Eagles at the Super Bowl. That was Chip Kelly leading the team, and, and we fell flat on our face with that pick. I'm yeah. still embarrassed by that one. But did you have the but you had the Broncos beating the Eagles. I did. I, I had the Broncos winning the Super Bowl that year, so I got half the pick exactly right. Well, that's that's getting the Broncos to – picking the correct Super Bowl team outweighs picking the stupid Eagles to win. I had the Colts in the Super Bowl instead of that's, the Broncos, which, say it out loud, it doesn't pass the – it doesn't pass that uh, that particular test. How, did, how about the Bucks? You're a you're a kicking savant. How did the Bucks? How did the how did Nick Folk look now that he's got the the specter of of uh, Roberto Aguayo no longer lingering over him? Man, the Buccaneers' kicking situation is just like one nightmare after another. It's like you cut one kicker because you want to put less pressure on the other kicker. You say, hey, I'm comfortable with this guy. I'm gonna get rid of the other guy. Now there's no competition. Now he's fine. And then now Nick Folk walks in and just chokes against the Jaguars on national television. Like he had a blocked extra point and blocks aren't always the kicker's fault, but this one was low. And then he missed a 47 yard field goal by, you know, wide right by a few yards. And the funny thing is that's the same exact thing Aguayo did in the Bengals game. He missed an extra point and missed a 47 yard field goal and the Bucks cut him. And if you're dirt counter, you got to be thinking, Maybe the kicker's not on your roster right now because that is just you can't have you can't have your kicker out there. And nobody on the team has faith in making a kick. It's it's kind of dumb to carry extra kickers when you could use that roster spot on somebody else if you've got a guy that's good enough. But should the Bucks have waited to cut Aguayo and just maybe seen if he like magically snapped it back together? Like he's standing in the tee box and suddenly everything clicks and he's he's driving the ball straight instead of shanking it dead right. I mean, the, you know, see the hard knocks on on Tuesday with these. First of all, tell Gerald McCoy to stop like stop getting this guy's head, right? Like go to him and be like, "Hey, man, like I know you hate kickers because you're a, a real athlete." No offense, John, but um, but like, how about you? How about you stop yelling at this guy in his backswing? You know, I love that Hard Knocks show that because it, it really gave the outside, you know, people who aren't at NFL practice uh, a perspective of what kickers go through while they're just practicing. Like you have players just up in your face, uh, trying to distract you, trying to mess you up. And you have to deal with that. And Aguayo's already dealing with all the pressure of being a top draft pick, all the pressure of not making any kicks as it is. So, like, that guy just had to get out of Tampa Bay. He needed a change of scenery. They shouldn't have held on to him. I'm sure he wanted out. I, I bet he was relieved when he got cut. He was probably on the first flight out of Tampa Bay. Like, just take me anywhere but this city. I don't want to be here. I think you're right. I mean, you know, there's, a, there's some relief that comes with that. You know what else is relieving, John? When you don't have to worry about going to the grocery store and you don't have to waste your hard-earned money, or maybe that millions of dollars you got when you bought the Titans, uh, on cooking and on groceries and on takeout, because you're not doing that. Instead, you're going to blueapron.com slash roughing. That's right, blueapron.com slash roughing. 
three meals free with free shipping from John. John and I are personally going to provide you these meals. If you go to blueapron.com slash roughing, if you don't know about Blue Apron, what are you waiting for? We did it at the Princeton household, and it literally changed our lives. Like, my wife is now this fantastic cook who, like, you know, she, like, she's just, she'll, she'll crank out. She's like, oh, do you want, like, a salmon Caesar salad for dinner? Uh, maybe with a little creme fraiche on top of it. And she learned all this stuff through Blue Apron. Best part is Blue Apron sourced sustainably under standards developed in partnership. This is the seafood with Monterey Bay Aquarium Seafood Watch. I mean, how cool is that, John? And, uh, but in all seriousness, cooking builds strong family bonds. Do you guys, do you guys cook together? You and Rachel hey, I'll, t- I'll tell you something that, so Rachel, my fiance, she likes me to cook once in a while and I can't cook. So that's what I do is I go online and I don't tell her and I'm like, sneak in the blue apron order some food then she thinks i cooked it and gets home and then she's like completely delighted that i put together this unbelievable seared steak <laughs> when in fact i have no idea how to make a seared steak but since blue apron does all the work for me i look like a five-star chef and so hopefully she doesn't get to the 34th minute of this podcast and my secret does not get out but blue apron is a great thing to have in your back pocket if you can't That's cook right. like me um and Again, you get the three meals free. Some of the upcoming meals you can blow Rachel's mind with, John. The basil pesto chicken with supper vegetable panzanella, which is perhaps pronounced correctly. Sautéed shrimp and green beans with globe, tomatoes, spinach, and orzo pasta. Whole grain pasta and summer vegetables with heirloom tomato caprese salad. I would bury my face in that right now. Miso butter salmon and lo mein noodles with cucumber and charmed tomatoes. This tomato season right now, like I've got a tomato garden out back, and I get some really, really good tomatoes growing out there. But Blue Apron sends you basically just as good tomatoes, if not better, than you would grow at your own house. It's really fresh. Meatball pizza. Their pizzas are freaking great with fresh mozzarella cheese and charmed tomatoes. Don't wait. Get all this stuff now. It's affordable, variety, flexible, easy, and guaranteed. Check out this menu. Get three meals free. BlueApron.com slash roughing. Okay, John. We are going to talk very quickly about my Madden simulation because I think that you – like me, enjoy a good Madden sim. What did you think about the my stupid Xbox having the Falcons winning the Super Bowl for for the second year in a row? Well, I mean, we have to go back to last year real quick. I remember when we were talking about you doing the Madden simulation, and I was like, okay, that's that's a decent idea. And then I saw the story, and I was like, Brinson's Xbox is broken because there's no way the Falcons <laughs> are getting to the Super Bowl. And then, boom, February hits, and your Xbox is Skynet because that was literally the only thing in the world that predicted the Falcons in the Super Bowl. So now here we are this year, and you know I, I want to doubt your Xbox, but it, I think Falcons-Chargers is actually uh, a pretty sneaky good Super Bowl pick. Yeah, see, I'm with you. So like when I – so I was I had to go in and be the cowboy so I could suspend Zeke Elliott because you can't – you know, there's no like commissioner power where you can suspend other teams, you know, players. So I had, I had to be the Cowboys, and I was thinking because last year I was the Browns to you know, be a team that the playoffs aren't going to mess with, and I was hoping it would be this brand new random Super Bowl pick, and that maybe the Cowboys would tank because they didn't have Zeke, and that would be fascinating. Instead, Dak Prescott becomes the MVP, which is insane. He throws 41 passing touchdowns. But, like, you can kind of see that happening, right? Des Bryant has an incredible year, and Dak plays really well behind a great offensive line. The running game sputters a little bit. Zeke gets hurt because he misses the six, you know, first couple games. The Cowboys are 9-7. and seven. I mean, they, Dak could take a step forward, and they could still not be as good as they were last year. That's, that's kind of plausible. I was a little disappointed the, char- the, the Falcons were the, the Super Bowl team for the second year in a row because that's not going to get any headlines unless they actually make it back. 
I don't think they will, but on paper, they're freaking awesome. Like, it's, it's you look at the Falcons, they're loaded on defense with a ton of young talent. And offensively, they have a good offensive line, a very good running game, tons of weapons, and Matt Ryan. It, there's not a not there's not a lot to not like with the Falcons. Yeah, I mean, obviously, your Xbox feels the same way that there's not a lot to not like. That's hard. And to the say, thing is, it really and, and you know what's funny is that like you look at the teams that the Falcons lost to last year. Like this team last year was literally. I don't know, like 10 points away from going undefeated. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, I remember that they had a crazy overtime loss to the chargers where the chargers came back from like 20 points down. They had that crazy game in Seattle where Julio Jones got the hold, interfered the hold, with. The non-holding they, call. Yeah. Right. Right. The no call, you know, those are two games they probably could have won. Uh, they lost by a touchdown and their opener to the Buccaneers. So it's like, they looked pretty unbeatable last year, and I don't think they got worse. So, I, the only thing, the only thing that you worry about with the Bucks, I mean, the, excuse me, the Falcons, is that they're going to be in a weird headspace, right? I mean, that's the only thing. Like, if if I would, I would, if they had lost in the NFC Championship game, I would feel better picking them to win the Super Bowl than I would if you know, like, like I would want. I would. I think a ton of people would pick them to win the Super Bowl if they had lost in the NFC Championship game, but because they coughed up that twenty-eight-three lead. Nobody thinks they're going to be able to get back there. You know what's funny is that the Falcons this year remind me of the Bills in the early 90s Ooh. where you had Super Bowl 25 when Norwood missed the kick and everybody just thought there's no way this team is bouncing back because you cannot lose a Super Bowl like that and bounce back. And the thing was, it didn't matter because the Bills were just so much better than every other team in the AFC and then they bounced back. And I think that the Warwick kick was the first Super Bowl they went to. Then they went back to the Super Bowl three more times. And that's how I feel about these Falcons. I feel like they're mm. going to bounce back. And I feel like their head and shoulders the best team in the NFC. And I don't think, you know, maybe the Seahawks can beat them. But, you know, a team like the Packers isn't going to win a shootout because the Falcons have a better offense. So it's going to be a top-ranked defense that's going to take them down. I, I really think the Seahawks are the only team that can do it. Are you – I mean, is it too early to review? Have we done our Super Bowl picks? We haven't done our Super Bowl picks, right? I don't think we have. Do you, I mean, I don't want to like blow up our spot, but do you, do you know who you're going to pick? And did you just pull out a piece of paper with your Super Bowl written down so you wouldn't forget it? I, no, I, I did not. I have, I have my list of teams I think are going to be in the playoffs, but since we have not had to turn in our Super Bowl pick, I have not gone that far yet. Okay. What? Um, give me one of your surprise. Okay, so people can't see this because it's a podcast, but as I was asking you this question, you just turned around and like grabbed a piece of paper. Uh, oh, that's it. That is a handwritten piece of paper with like detailed information. Is that your records for each team? Yeah. So like August 5th, every year I go through all 256 games, write down every team's record on a piece of paper. I don't even put it on the internet. I don't want it to fall anywhere, fall in the wrong hands. It's only on a piece of paper. And then based on who has the best records, obviously the top six teams are my playoff teams with four division winners, two wild cards and such. Uh, give me a surprise team for you in the playoffs. Uh, I would say the biggest surprise, and I stick to the rule of there are four new teams in the playoffs every year. That's happened every year since 1990. So I think that's a pretty much lock. It's going to happen every year. Uh, NFC, I've got the Vikings in, which I think I like has been, some people think that's a surprise, but quick argument for them. They started 5-0 and last year. Falcons started 5-0 and in 2015 and missed the playoffs. And I feel like the Vikings kind of have that vibe where they're a lot stronger than we think. Sam Bradford's the whole entire offseason under them, and I could see them winning nine or ten games. I I also like 
I'm sure you read my story on it, but I like Dalvin Cook a lot. Um, he fits what the Vikings want to do on on offense, especially running the ball. He's a better pass catcher than he was, than people think coming out of Florida State. I like him. I need to see the odds on this. I don't know what they are, but I like him as a sleeper, sort of a sleeper to win Rookie of the Year, Offensive Rookie of the Year, because I think most of the attention will be on, you know, a quarterback, Deshaun Watson, Leonard Fournette, Christian McCaffrey. I think McCaffrey's going to be great too. So it's a, it's a dogfight, but I, I kind of like Cook if you get him at like twelve to one or something in that range. Well, that's the other thing with the Vikings. Besides the fact that Bradford only had like a week of practice last year, they didn't have any running backs. You know, Adrian Peterson got hurt in the first three weeks, and nobody wants, nobody thinks Jarek McKinnon or Matt Asiata is a number one running back. So we don't even know what that offense would look like with a decent running back in it. So, boom, now you have Dalvin Cook. Uh, what about an AFC surprise team that you had going to the playoffs? Uh, you know, I think we're on the same page uh-uh. with this. I love. Well, I'd say the biggest surprise, I think the Chiefs are going to win the West. But oh. I love the Chargers. You love the Chargers. It's a love fest with the Chargers. I have a – it's not a sizable. It would if it, if it, if it, if it, if the Chargers won the Super Bowl, I would be pleased financially. Hey, I feel that's I, – I, I, I felt the same way after the Broncos won the Super Bowl. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. So you got to back it up yourself. Um, yeah, that uh, – and I think I think I'm gonna pick the Chargers to win the Super Bowl too, like publicly, because then it's even doubly, you know, like I don't like I could I could pick the Chargers to you know to do well and not win the Super Bowl, but I, I like being all in on my picks. I really like the Chargers as well. I'm gl- I'm, I'm not glad that Forrest Lamp and Mike Williams are hurt. That clearly that's not a good thing. And <laughs> I'm sure they're nice people, so I don't want that to happen. But I do think that from a perspective of sort of cooling down the hype around the Chargers. That sort of helped, right? You know what I'm saying? Like people, and then the Chargers got manhandled by the Seahawks in that preseason game this week. That was on. Was that on? Was that last night? No, that was Sunday. Last no, Sunday, right? Sunday, Sunday. Yeah. yeah. But like, I don't like Rivers marched that team down there and scored a touchdown in the first on the first drive, and then the you know then the, the Denzel Perryman got hurt in the first thing, and I think they pulled all their their starters. I actually think this is what we call a segue in the biz. Anthony Lynn is not a terrible bet to win Coach of the Year. 12 to 1. What do you think? I don't no, know. No, 16 to 1. 16 to 1. Actually, that's not that great. Yeah. I, I think uh, you need to relook at your terrible bet scenarios because I think it is a terrible bet. And you're saying it's not a terrible bet. I wouldn't touch Anthony Lynn. Uh, you know, Bill Belichick, to me, and real quick, off the odds, real quick, but uh, Belichick never gets any love for coach of the year. It's just because the Patriots. Well, everybody expects the Patriots to be good every year now because of an expectation that he's created, and now it's almost hurt him uh, when you're talking about things like Coach of the Year. Yeah, when you look at Belichick, the, I think the last time he won Coach of the Year was 2010. He's only won it three times, but then you're right. I mean, that's, you're 100% right. That's exactly why it happens. Do you know that Mike Krzyzewski has only won National Basketball Coach of the Year twice? He won Naismith Coach of the Year three times. I mean, you know, you know, whatever. I mean, it's not, that's not five different awards. He hadn't won one of those. He hadn't won eight. My coach K, right, has five national titles. His last three are 2001, 2010, and 2015. He has won three titles since he last won ACC Coach of the Year. And that's the same thing with Belichick. It's insane. The, the, the expectations are so high. That, that he didn't win the award, Belichick at 7-1 to one is not insane. It's not crazy, but the Patriots are so good this year and the division is so bad 
that even if they went 16-0, and I don't think that people would reward Belichick because they didn't reward him in, in 2007. Now, there's a backlash for Spygate. I think you got to dip a little bit further to really – Mike Zimmer at 25-1 to is an interesting price tag. You mentioned the Vikings of the playoffs. If, if the Vikings play well offensively, and he had that eye thing, so he's overcoming that, you could see him getting some love. Um, Bill O'Brien at 33-1 to if you like the Texans to do well. People don't seem to like Bill O'Brien, though. That could be an interesting, uh, an interesting little wager. If you think the Saints will be good, Sean Payton at thirty-three to one is not terrible. I think the Bovada people misspelled Doug Peterson here. Uh, it actually has a D in it. I don't mind Doug Peterson if the e- if the Eagles win the East. If the Eagles win the NFC East, I can see Doug Peterson winning it. Anybody else uh, pop out to you? Well, I mean, staring at my predictions right now, and I have the old Cincinnati Bengals finishing mm. eleven and five. This season, and you know, if they pull together that kind of record, I think Marvin Lewis definitely gets some Coach of the Year love. And what are his odds? They are the longest of any odds on the board at fifty to one. So I think there is a sneaky good bet there to be made on uh, old Marvin. I, he doesn't have to win a playoff game to win that award. That's the best part. I that that is correct. It comes it's a regular season award. I actually have the Bengals going nine and seven. And making the playoffs as well. So we're kind of on the same page with these predictions. Do you think that is a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, you know, normally I would say it's a bad thing. <laughs> but this year, I think it's a good thing. I think we, we both have a better pulse of what's happening. We we feel like Andrew Luck's not going to be there. We feel like Flacco's not going to be there. Kind of hitting, hitting on things early. Things, you know, when you're getting things right, you feel like you've got the sense of the season going in. Right, exactly. Like when I pick the Eagles to win the Super Bowl or the Eagles, I mean, like I, I mean, like I'll admit, it, I'll straight up admit it. I fell in love with, like I liked the Eagles already as a sleeper, and I, I was a big Chip Kelly fan. But then the Eagles lit up the preseason, and I think I was going to go in a different direction. And I got too into that preseason performance, and it obviously, you know, came back and bit me and, and made me look stupid. Um, John, anything else that we can chat about before we go? Where can people follow you on Twitter? You're just, you're just at John Breach, right? At John Breach? At John Breach, J-O-H-N-B-R-E-E-C-H. Is there anything else you want to promote about yourself, your life, your wedding? You know, we could give away uh, one invite to your wedding on the to a podcast listener. Hey, once I get my registry set up, you can bet I'll be plugging that thing on the podcast. <laughs> I will tell you something, John. The key to the uh, a registry and you may already be way ahead of me, and I may have told you this like drunkenly like a long time ago. <laughs> um, register it somewhere like Best Buy. I'm not okay. even kidding. And like ask, like be like, I'll take a TV or this electronic stuff because we have this stupid bleeping like high-end china that I've never seen used before. I mean, it's fantastic. Like it's really expensive. The plates are gorgeous, and I've never seen them. So like if you guys ever host a state dinner, you're completely prepared, but it just hasn't happened yet. Well, if we host like yeah, – yeah, yeah, yeah. If we host like a really nice like family dinner and everybody sits at the dining table, but like usually when we host family, we just get takeout or grill out and everybody eats on like the regular plates on trays in the living room while we're watching TV. It's pretty stupid. So um, hopefully my wife doesn't listen to the 45th minute of this podcast and hopefully <laughs> your fiancé doesn't listen to the first 34. Thanks for filling in, John. We will have you back on. And uh, this is a good time, man. <laughs>